3: Let's bring in our first guest of the day. He is the uh, president and chief operating officer for the uh, for the Boston Red Sox. Our buddy Sam Kennedy is with us. Good morning, Sam.
4: Good morning, guys. Happy uh, post Thanksgiving and Happy Holidays, everybody.
3: Thank you very much, and yeah, you thank too. you for joining us here on uh, on Giving Tuesday. Has, has this been as active an off season as you expected, more or less?
4: You know, it's actually been uh, very busy. Um, it's obviously uh, <laughs> coming off of a very unus- highly unusual season, a difficult year for a lot of people. But no, it's been it's been busy. Uh, there's a lot of lot of activity uh, in the market. There's still a uh, clearly a, a premium on what uh, what what is the most important element of the game, and that's pitching. <laughs> so it's been it's been busy. Um, and. B.O.H. and the team are are working really hard and it's good to be sort of back to business uh, as as usual and kind of a, a normal off season here.
0: I am curious your thoughts on pitching because obviously there's been sort of a new wave. A lot of teams, not just Heim Bloom teams in Tampa, have gone with the opener, and this year Red Sox did it several times, where sort of like a bullpen game and kind of out of necessity, and kind of put to the side whether you know Heim Bloom and Cora think it can win. I'm wondering, for a fan perspective, what do you think of it? Because I remember growing up, if you had tickets to a Pedro game, it was like gold. But I ended up with Tim Wakefield yeah. games, and I, listen, no yeah. knock at Tim Wakefield. At least he's a real star. <laughs> we also talk about Wake, I'm not. I'm just saying, compared to Pedro, everybody's in that category. I'm curious if you feel the same way for for fans who are buying tickets to the game, and we can get to whether they're even going to be at the game and how soon that'll be. But there's a big difference between hey, I got a Chris Sale game. I'm going to go see Chris Sale versus I'm going to see the entire bullpen today.
4: Yeah, no, there's no question. I I I'm, I'm with you. I mean, there's nothing like a complete game from uh my my guy was Roger Clemens, you know, back in that era. I'm clearly a little bit older than you, but I but Pedro was was an event and I I I agree with you. There's nothing like having a dominant starting pitcher go uh, the, the, the distance and you know today it's rare that a guy will go 7 or 8 innings and that's something that I think uh, we, we need to focus on as an, as an industry what has developed you, you've seen uh, different strategies deployed obviously it didn't work very well for us by the way 2020 when, we, when we, we ran out a bunch of different guys and as you said it was out of necessity given uh, the, the situation we found ourselves in with injuries and, and otherwise but um, you know I think let's, let's get Chris Sale back healthy so So we can go and pitch a complete game or Eddie Rodriguez and I don't think you'll see um, the, the the premium ever come off of starting pitching it's so valuable so important and um, and the guys that can go the distance are are, are, are really really important and I think it is important for fans you're right they want to see uh, starting pitching I think that's why uh, people were so uh, upset when Blake Snell got pulled out of the game we all wanted to see him go um, and you know we know we know what happened but uh, but I, I do think it's, it's important for fans it's
1: important for the game. Sam, the biggest news of the off season was your manager returning, Alex Cora, and I'm just wondering is that is that a transition that it's like he never left, or is there sort of a different transition period because High and Blooms here and sort of them working together and and when will you know how that whole dynamic plays out?
4: Yeah, it's it's like he never left. Honestly, it's been uh it's been fantastic. It was really difficult parting ways with him. Um it was obviously much more difficult for uh for, for him serving the, the deserved suspension, and um, he, he, he went through all that. But it was hard for us, uh, given the timing and, and difficult for Haim coming in, taking over the baseball operations department. But uh, don't forget, we, we had a good eight, ten-week window where Haim and and, and the group um, spent a lot of uh, time working with Alex in the off season We were all in San Diego for, I think, the rainiest week in the history of uh, Southern California for the winter meetings last year and and alex and and Haim began to to build their relationship um, at that point so he's he 's hit the ground running really, really excited to have him back. The players are excited to have him back. the fans are excited to have him back um, and it it, uh, it feels like we were able to turn the page on a a really dark uh, period uh, for the Red Sox. 2020 was bad in so, so many ways, uh, and and we're really excited he's back and looking forward to 2021.
3: Sam Kennedy joining us on the Harbor One Hotline. In the interest of full disclosure, I was very excited to see Alex brought back as manager of the Red Sox, but I'm also curious, why did he have to go? He had to be suspended. I I get that. Why did he have to go?
4: yeah, you know, it was uh, I know a lot of people at the time didn't uh didn't necessarily believe uh some of us in the organization when we said it was a mutual parting of the ways, but uh I will go to my grave uh, uh, maintaining that Alex came in uh, that morning and and said look I, I I gotta step away I can't do this um, and we agreed with him given uh, what it what what came out in the commissioner's report about Houston it was just jarring and and stunning to a lot of us in in the game in the industry so um, it really was a mutual thing and then obviously the commissioner uh, suspended him so um, it was a, I think it was a, a punishment that that fit the crime if you will I, I was pleased that the Red Sox, you know, we had our investigation for 2018. Um, baseball did an exceptional job, did, left no stone unturned, and um, we, we've all been able to move beyond it. But, no, he needed to go. He he felt that he needed to uh, to step away, that he had, would lose the confidence of the players and the trust in the front office, um, and he he did that. And um, as I said repeatedly throughout, we think that was appropriate, but we also believe in, in forgiveness forgiveness and second chances and and that's exactly what's happened and we're glad he's back
0: now nobody probably knows theo epstein as well as you do what was your reaction when when he stepped away from the cubs and do you have any idea what's next for him
4: yeah, it it uh, it was a um, a really really great chapter uh, for the Cubs and, and and for Theo and his and his family. But I wasn't surprised at all. He I don't know why he's such a big fan of Bill Walsh. By the way, he grew up a diehard Patriots fan, but he always <laughs> he always like he loves to quote Bill Walsh and talk about how. You know, coaches and general managers really have a sort of a 7- to 10-year window uh, in terms of giving everything to the job. Obviously, we've seen lots of people go longer than that and have a lot of success, especially here in New England. People like Bill Belichick. But um, he always always references Bill Walsh. He had a plan. I know... He was in touch with Cubs ownership, and, and, and they had an understanding that 2021 at the longest would be sort of the length that he was out there. I think he decided that at the, where the Cubs are at, where Jed Hoyer, his deputy, was at, that it was the right time to move on um, I can tell you he, he he will be uh he will be focused on doing some important, meaningful work with his foundation uh this coming year. I think he'll probably take on some consulting projects, but I would be stunned, stunned if he is not back in baseball in a major way. <clears throat> and he'd obviously be an asset to any franchise that would look to, to bring him on, just a an exceptional, exceptional baseball executive, um and, and he'd be an asset to anybody.
1: I think most Red Sox fans are happy to see Alex Cora back, but they're also probably hopeful that's not the biggest story of the offseason. Do you want to maybe steal a page from Wick Grossbeck in the past when he promised <laughs> fireworks? Are there fireworks to come from the Red Sox this offseason?
4: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting. I don't want to make any promises because the truth is we're, we're all sort of seeing how the market's going to develop here. I mean, look, we obviously know – we where we need, the areas of the club where we need to improve. We we need to improve pitching. Um, we could use an outfielder too. So Hiam has a uh, has a plan, uh, but I don't want to promise any uh, fireworks as to not uh, let anybody down. But I, I I do I will say this: We um, John and, and Tom, this is going to be our twentieth year our partnership here together. Uh, they're hungry for that fifth World Series championship, and hopefully that can come as soon as twenty twenty one. But uh, you know, thank God we're 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 all still here together and um we're 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 hungry for more championships and and that's why we brought hymn in and uh, he's he's gelled great with the existing team in place and so uh better days ahead for the Sox for sure
1: so at least a couple bottle rockets maybe a firecracker (laughs) and yeah there you go
4: there you go we'll build we'll build up
3: Sam, the relationship between the Red Sox and the Jimmy Fund goes back to the days of Ted Williams. You guys have always been very gracious hosts when we were able to hold the Jimmy Fund radio telethon, and we do it live at Fenway Park. And on behalf of all of us, I just wanted to say thank you to the Red Sox organization for always being there to help support these causes. It it really means a lot.
4: Well, we're, we're privileged to, uh, to be a part of it. It's been um, seven decades, so it, go, it goes back, Dale, even before your time, the Red Sox and Dana-Farber <laughs> connection, um, and you're absolutely right, the Yawkey family and Ted Williams established the connection, so we all owe them a deep debt of gratitude, and when we came in back in the winter of 2001, um, one of the, the things that, that that John and Tom and Larry Lucchino, who's a two-time cancer, excuse me, three-time now cancer survivor, uh, wanted to do, do is make sure we uh, deepen the connection to the Dana-Farber and the Jimmy Fund, and we've tried to do that over the two decades that we've been here. And so huge thanks to everyone over there, from uh, Suzanne Fountain, Lisa Sherber, Dr. Lori Glimcher, the, the whole group. They're just, it's the, 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 the care that they give uh, to our community is incredible, and we're excited to uh, participate today. We um, we're really disappointed and bummed out. We're not at Fenway doing this as we normally do, but we will be back next year. Uh, fingers crossed. Uh, but we do have a, a a contribution of I think the late we were passing the hat as late as last night. I think we're up to uh, one hundred eighteen thousand five hundred dollars uh, contribution wow. from our. Uh, partners over here and our investment group so we 're all all of us are very proud to contribute to that as we uh, as as we keep working uh, to try and cure this uh, this horrible horrible disease that 's a big hat. That is a huge. Out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll keep we'll keep passing it around, and uh, we will always, as long as John Henry and, and Tom Warner and this group is here, we'll we'll be uh, as supportive as we possibly can of, of the Dana Farber and the great. I just have to say, especially to the doctors and nurses, we've all had friends and family treated there. That just those are the true heroes. They're unbelievable. And during COVID, it's been uh, incredibly stressful and difficult. On um, not 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 just the patients, but the but the nurses and doctors. So we're really grateful for all they're doing. So thank you very much.
0: And Sam, any are you hearing anything about fans in the stands next year? Or I mean, obviously, it's hard to know anything for sure right now. But is the expectation that, you know, hopefully they'll be in there and maybe even to full capacity at some point?
4: Yeah, we, we're we're obviously very very hopeful. Uh, we we haven't been shy about <clears throat> about saying that we have a we, we, we have a, a a plan ready to go for a, a socially distanced uh, ballpark, which um, we think would be uh, you know appropriate depending upon the the levels of, of cases and such. I mean, I, I just am so grateful to the medical community who fingers crossed here that the vaccine uh, starts to get distributed towards the end of the year to be fantastic so maybe things will even be brighter than we think but we're ready to go with with a socially distanced ballpark uh, to begin if that's what we have to do but we'd love to have full houses I mean look our, our business is driven on public gathering and and our fan support which we've had in droves for 20 straight years and so all of us in professional sports need that um, and I think we can do it in a safe and responsible way, but of course, we'll, we won't do anything until uh, the state of Massachusetts and the city of Boston gives us the green light. But it's our job to to prove to the elected officials that we can do it in a in a safe way, the way that the restaurant industry uh, and other businesses have been able to do it uh, this year. It's it's a really really difficult issue. I think if we all uh, are are responsible, we'll, we'll get there more quickly. And uh, no one, uh, we're we're all reading about vaccines and. And the, and the potential distribution. So, fingers crossed. I know Massachusetts will set the, the gold standard in terms of that, just given where we live. So, fingers crossed that they're much, much brighter days ahead.
1: Does that have a direct impact on those fireworks I'm looking for? Is the budget of the <laughs> yeah. off season tied to that?
4: Yeah, it, look, no, no, no one's going to um, – no, no one's complaining or, or, or anything like that, but the, the truth is, it has—it's been very, very difficult on, um, on on the business of you know for the for the Red Sox, the Patriots, the Celtics, the Bruins. Again, without fans, our our revenues are are, are zero. Uh, so it's uh, it, it is difficult. We need to start to get our our, our business back, and um, it's it's really important. So we'll be we'll be working closely with the state of Massachusetts and um, and. Others and and I, I just hope that uh, by, you know, spring and summer, we'll, we'll, things will look a lot better. And, and you know, my uh, my dad always said it's always, it's always darkest before the dawn. I know it's going to be a really difficult December, January, February. So I hope and pray everyone stays safe and healthy and then we can hopefully emerge from this uh, in 2021 and beyond.
3: Sam, as always, we thank you and the Red Sox for your time and your support and your generosity. Thanks so much and happy holidays to you.